Hello and welcome to the Real Exes of Portland podcast, coming to you from Portland, Oregon. I'm Heather. I'm Sophie. And I'm Amy. And we are real women, real friends, with real stories. That are super juicy. And I might add, real boobs. (laughs) And we would love for you to follow us on Instagram at The Real Exes Portland. And we will be hanging out with you guys every Wednesday afternoon. And you know what Wednesday is? Wine Wine Wednesday. Wednesday. Cheers. Cheers. Bring it on. (laughs) All right. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Actually, I think it's good afternoon at this point. And we are happy to be here and chatting with our guest. Her name, whoops, my microphone's out of control. Uh, Her name is Jen, with two N's. (laughs) And (laughs) um, we're just really happy to have her on today. She was, before we went live, she was telling us a little bit about her background. And I'm very excited to hear about her healing work and um, coaching and spiritual counseling and stuff like that. So take it away. Do you want to, who... Yeah, so uh, Amy, I think you're the one who originally set us up with Jen. Well, Jen came to our Bricks Tualatin event. Yes. And she was in one of those Facebook groups that I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> one of the many. I'm not sure yeah. which one. But, um, yeah, she she came to that one. You even brought a friend. My friend Willow. Yeah. Willow. Yes. And I Why follow her name? on Willow. Yes, and yeah. I was just I was just telling Sophie earlier that she has written her book. And so you'll be seeing oh much more good. of her. Oh, Double down on your right. genius. I'm just gonna plug it a little yeah. bit right yeah. now was because she the one that was she was leaving to go out of town. Yeah, like she's yeah, she's a digital nomad. So she's been living all over right. the world and mm-hmm. she's been in Thailand and she just finished her book. So that is yes, very we both cool. came. It was a lovely, yeah. lovely yes. day. Okay. It was wonderful. I remember uh, I didn't have very many opportunities to sit down, but when I did sit down, mm-hmm. you were talking. We were, I somebody asked me about the concussion or whatever, and you were talking about the sounding bowls. Yes, the crystal and bowls. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and I was like, I, I ever since then, you know, I don't remember a lot from that day because there was just so much going on. But mm-hmm. I do remember the bowls, and I do remember <laughs> you talking about how important internal healing is yes and um and the the few words i heard you speak were powerful just in those moments and i haven't forgotten mm. what you said uh, um about the healing aspect and i do remember you talking about accountability in that and so all those little things were those things are important to me so i was like oh we gotta have Jen on. <laughs> well, so. and I think we have a nice picture <coughs> of of her and and uh, Willow with you and Willow. There is, yeah, yes. It was we posted it. We had a photographer, remember? Um, yeah. yeah. Audrey came yeah. on or came and took some professional pictures for us. Oh yeah, Nicole. Nicole. Oh yeah, Sorry. No. Nicole. Nicole. We'll have to repost that photo <laughs> yeah, with a little arrow, like this. Yeah. Is me. <laughs> yeah. She this was is really Jen. Here. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm super excited that you're here. Thank you so much for being willing to be yeah. vulnerable <laughs> and share your story. Absolutely. So take it away. Yeah, girl. I appreciate <laughs> you all creating the space for women to mm-hmm. come together and you know, part of the work, you know, going back to the crystal bowls. Mm-hmm. One of my clients, long-term clients, 
um, teaches certification for the crystal alchemy singing bowls and voice. Mm. And so part of what I've now learned that I didn't know my whole life is that my trauma pattern, like my voice was shut down my whole life. Like I was so insecure and terrified of even like raising my hand. I, like I always knew the answer in school. Oh I was my very God, that was me. I was straight A student, but I would yeah. never raise my hand. I was terrified. Right. And so and then it's like, oh, I started learning about the connection of the voice mm -hmm. and self-expression and all the ways we have been taught to be quiet, to be, you know, we've been mm -hmm. silenced, we, you know, mm -hmm. not to be seen, mm -hmm. um, you know, and in my family environment, um, invisibility saved my life, right? Mm -hmm. There was a lot of chaos in my childhood experience. And so I just learned to be invisible and that mm -hmm. meant also having my voice shut down. So I started, you know, in the healing field, started really understanding trauma and the vagus nerve and mm -hmm. its connection to our overall health mm. um, and so the, the voice the healing and you know it just continues to unfold in all of these different ways but I think the bowls and the voice is mm -hmm. you know kind of where I've spent a lot of time in the last couple of years really focusing yeah it's really interesting I've, I've been recently <coughs> um, on, on uh, Instagram there's this woman Lotus and something mm -hmm. anyway she does Reiki and she's just got this amazing, like she uses her hands and you're in the thing. And I swear. You can it, feel it. I feel it. I yeah. Actually, it's dr it draws me in. I, it, and she's just got this magical blue eyes. <laughs> you know, do you know who I'm talking about? I don't, I don't know oh, who I she is, but it's that energetic component that I think we were talking about earlier when yes. I was talking about my work. We all have this innate soul self right mm -hmm. and some of us are conduits for healing you know for the yeah. planet for animals for people for kids whatever um but that we all have that and we're i mean everything is energy just mm -hmm. in physics we know that right. right um and then those places and places in us that are conditioned or or where there's tr unresolved trauma is like it's a place where the energy is stuck my voice is not flowing because I have this pattern of tightness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when we start opening it, then that divine love, that, you know, Reiki energy, that whatever it is that that innate higher self, God self peace is, <coughs> can flow. Mm -hmm. The bigger impact we can have, the more peace we can feel, <coughs> right? Like all of that stuff. So um, I love that you found somebody that you can really tap into that and connect with them through that. Yeah, I put it on at night too, and I yeah. Sometimes I just like watch her, and she's just like, yeah. I'm like, oh, this isn't even in person. No, it's no. through. Oh, yeah, it's virtual Reiki. Wow. Didn't you see a Reiki I person did. Yeah. a it, year or two ago? No, I saw a Reiki person like 20 years ago. Oh, <laughs> oh. Um, okay. And and yeah. yeah, I was on her table, and I didn't really know what I was getting into, and I'm bawling my eyes out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, well, in Reiki, too, like I was trained as a Reiki practitioner years ago, and it's really like, again, tapping into that universal source, and then we have chakra systems in our body, mm -hmm. so these energy centers. I mean, it's really every part of us. It's not, you know, just those spots, but they're, and then both my throat chakra or my heart chakra or most women, I mean, if we want to really talk about where blocks are, most women don't live below their heart. They're terrified of coming down into their solar plexus mm -hmm. where their power is or their will is or their sexuality or their, you know, creative center. Mm -hmm. And then Definitely. down into the root where we're like, 
in our bodies and you know but most of us operate here up right so these tools help us identify like oh where is that block where am i holding myself back unconsciously without even knowing it these are all just powerful powerful tools that can really help for me unveil the truth that's beneath so how did you get into this like what did you go to school for and then how, what like how did you it's get down that path great question i i mean it's like I, i'm always like where do i start my story yeah. right <laughs> like like what was that thing like uh, my first memory is before incarnating and i'm like oh fuck <laughs> i didn't want to be in a female body wow like the hatred of the feminine which you know we have some version of that we can all feel in our culture but in my family was really pronounced mm. Um, and so I just like I have this like deep resistance and then as a child I always had this awareness of like like I know you're lying like I could just it's like even if they're not telling a lie it's like there was something about my tr my truth meter of like this this can't be all there is mm -hmm. or this you know it's like or this isn't you know it just truth. Yeah, and it just it just felt like a little skewed for me. Um, and so the first time that I really started exploring self was when I went into recovery when I was in high school. Recovery uh, of? Alcohol, drugs, sex. Like, I was a hot mess. Like, I was using as a way of escaping the pain, like deep pain and self-hatred that I just grew up in. Um, and then it was like Pia Melody, I think, was like Codependent No More was the book she wrote. My counselor gave me this book. And so it just like these like weird. In high school? I was in high school. Oh my goodness. Wow. And it was so the, it was like I started understanding that there are patterns or, or coping mechanisms or ways of being. And I was way too mature, immature at that point to really understand it. Or, but I kept, I kept getting things. And then I went off to California to be a nanny and read the Tao of Pooh, which is a book on Taoism. Mm -hmm. And it's like the whole concept is you cannot stick a square peg into a round hole. Mm -hmm. And it's like, but we're trying all the time to make ourselves fit into this thing that we are or we aren't. And then I read The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And it's like, oh my God, there's somebody in life who has this spiritual awareness. Like I'm not, al not alone. And so it's just like all of these little tiny things sort of started shaping it. And then I ended up in massage school. And that was, oh, here's our body. And then Carolyn Mace and Deepak Chopra had all written books at that point. So it was like energy medicine started coming into the conversation. And so for me, it's just been like kind of school of hard knocks. Mm -hmm. and you know learning with teachers and reading the books and practicing on myself and somehow ending up with clients on my mm -hmm. table you know I mean it's all been yeah. very experiential for me mm -hmm. and then in, in my early 20s I met my Sufi sheikh so Sufi sheikh. I, I'm okay. glad you asked um, so <laughs> so Sufism is the mystical path to Islam the okay. same way like Kabbalism is mm -hmm. the mystical path mm -hmm. to Judaism and you know mm -hmm. so there's a a mystical path um so it's like the inner work and my teacher was from jerusalem and he came over to the united states and my friend's like hey this guy's coming you'll love it you should come 
And so I, you know, knocked on the door. And back then I had like spiky blonde hair and I was wearing my Doc Martens and I was in a black <laughs> sleeveless t-shirt. And I was like, you know, badass to every degree, right? And I'm like, I'm jumping. And I'm like, I walk up and there's all these shoes. I'm like, oh, I guess I have to take my shoes off. And I knock on the door and I look inside and it's, I don't know, dozens, 20, 25, 30 people. They all have soft silk head coverings they're in these long beautiful flowing you know dresses and they're all sitting waiting for this teacher to show up and I'm like oh fuck. <laughs> and they've like seen me so I can't oh, no. like really leave right and I'm like and I'm thinking to myself I'm gonna kill my friend like she's dead you know yeah, I'm like I'm like I did not get this memo right yeah. and anyway so I took off my shoes went inside and I found a place to sit and then I'm just waiting kind of impatiently and there's this older gentleman who's like comes out of the back bedroom and he starts walking you know he's old you know he's kind of like hobbling up he's like in a robe he's you know making his way very slowly to the front of the room and he sits down and he speaks Arabic which at that point I'm like no I've never even heard I've never even heard of an Arabic language at this point right and then he has translators. So there's all of these people there translating what he's saying. And I'm just like in this like world of like, how in the heck did I end up here? <laughs> right. And again, I'm going to kill my friend, right? And anyway, so he, what it, back in the day, he used to, people would come to him when they were sick. So he had these ancient, like 3,000 year old, passed down through all these generations, healing remedies for people when Western medicine wasn't working. And so people would say, oh, I have this problem. And he would half speak English and half speak, you know, Arabic, and they would translate it. And he was just giving remedies for people for healing. And so then I'm like so interested because I'm in massage school. I'm trying to figure out this healing thing. And then I'm like taking notes in my notebook, you know, and I'm still planning. Like the minute this thing is like breaks, like whenever the break is, I'm out of here. And then suddenly he finishes, he's getting ready to take a break, and he just said, would anyone like to take the promise? (laughs) Again, I'm like, I have no idea what this even means, right? And the voice of God said, don't worry about what it means to be a Sufi. No, you're giving your hand to me. And my body literally lifted up, and I was kneeling in front of this guy, and he took his hands in mine, and he's saying this Arabic prayer, and I'm repeating whatever part I can, and I'm like, like, what the heck is happening? And then he's like, your name is Tasneem. I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> you know? yeah. And then, you know, they shuffle me to the side, and the woman writes my name down on a piece of paper, and I'm suddenly like a Sufi. And again, I'm like, I have no idea what this even means, right? Um, and I learned the meaning of my name and beat feet out of there as fast as I can. And, you know, over the next 20 years, he was like, if you ever go to India and you have a guru and you, you know, you get a teacher, like he was my teacher. And he taught me the 28 stations of the path of the heart in the Sufi way from the most dense kind of unconscious places in us through unity consciousness, which is that part of us that is not separate from God, and that in Sufism there's a pathway to travel and stations that you go through and levels of spiritual awareness that you gain as you go. And 
Um, so yeah, I, I didn't know I was changing my life and becoming a Muslim, but it happened. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's crazy. So you're practicing. I, I am. Yes. Yes. Wow. And, and more on the inner than on the outer, yeah, you know, yeah. and what is different about Sufism is like, we, you know, we can, we have to have the law, right? It's the masculine part that gives structure to the mm. thing, anything we do. And then there's the heart, which is what gives it depth and meaning exactly yeah well it's crazy that you went ahead with it when you first got there that you didn't turn around and run yeah. you know oh so believe and well and it was <laughs> i was up against that part of me that runs right i was terrified yeah. i yeah. was felt so unworthy and was running from love and other things in my life all the time but it, and, and those are those like crucial moments we all have them mm -hmm. that thing that just that book you read that mm. resonated or that moment you met that person and it's like the divine's hand in our life. And he's, I always feel like he's always trying to like this way, please, you know, like you're out in the weeds. I'm trying oh, to yeah. get you back on your authentic <laughs> path over here. So yeah. And it just, how, how I am a white woman in mm. this culture yeah. from Idaho of all places, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm like, it's the most unlikely thing ever. And I'm right. like, and yet somehow this path just deep, deeply resonates with my soul and is like deep medicine yeah. for me. So wow. do you still, yeah. is he still around? Like he actually he passed away. Yeah, oh, okay. he passed away a couple of years ago. He was old when you met him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. And I was luckily lucky to have as much time with him as did I did. You, was this one on one? Uh, we, yeah, I mean, it used to be like group, like he would just sit in the front and we would all like oh. gather around him and mm -hmm. he would teach us and, okay. you know, and in the beginning he had no agenda of like converting us to Islam. Like he really was just opening the door of our hearts and helping us with healing and, you know, and then over time, he, there's a, there's a passage actually in one of his books that he's like, you have to give milk to babies, like you can't feed them meat. You know, and so it's like you have to meet people where they are. And that's always been such a great lesson for, for me in my healing practice. It's like, where are you at in your evolution? And what is something meaningful and helpful that can open the door of your heart in some way? Mm -hmm. And so he was very gracious and kind and easy with us for a long time because oh, wow. we just didn't have yeah. the culture or the understanding or anything of the deeper meaning behind the practices or the religion. So. Was it was it all you were all um, white people learning? Uh, all almost all of us, yeah, wow. yeah, it's yeah. And there are thousands of us. Our our like wow. community is like yeah. thousands of people. And now. so you don't do Muslim typically wears like a veil, right? Female? Right. And but right. you don't have to do. If that. I was ever with him, yeah. I would, out of respect, I okay. absolutely became one of the people covering my head yeah. in yeah. front of him. Okay. Um, and if when <laughs> I pray, it's like there are times where I cover my head, but mm -hmm. I don't. I don't in my normal day to day life. But many people on my Sufi path do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's amazing. So, uh, and then, do your do your children grow up grow up as Muslim as well? Or you know, I I really I, I think I'm unusual in that I really believe that not everyone is going to be a Muslim. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and uh, like who am, like some people like I have dear friends who follow Hindu, you know, read the Bhagavad Gita mm -hmm. and follow a Hindu path. And for me, it's like there are multiple ways to the river. Mm -hmm. As long as you're traveling to the river mm. that you're called to. Mm -hmm. And so both of my kids, City is my guide's name. He named my children. Like their soul imprint was given to them through their name by yeah. him. Wow. Um, and, and 
you know, they go to the masjid because my ex-husband loves going to the masjid. Like he, he's, he's more Muslim than he is Sufi. So I sort of like took on the heart of the practices and he really feels comfortable uh, practicing uh, the outward in a really deep way. Yeah. So, and my kids, like my youngest, especially, he loves going to the masjid. He's like, it smells so good in there. And like they put on, you know, the, just part of the ritual. And like, he's like, I just feel so good when I'm done. And, you know, wow. but it, for me, it's not like a forced thing. Like I understand, yeah. like, who knows what their path will be. Yeah. Like I've always taught them, like, as long as you're connected to your truth, you, I teach you to listen to your heart. I give you the skills to be witnessed and seen and what's hard and what's beautiful about who you are. And I give you a voice. Like I trust that your path will, will yeah, show, be that. shown to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. And that's like, complete opposite the way you grew up so you're right. giving your your children well and not easily right mm -hmm. because i'm i'm up against the you know bumping heads with my conditioning yes, right absolutely. it's like oh no i want like you're beautiful and brilliant beings and you have a unique mm -hmm. perspective and and know things that i don't know just because of the way consciousness works so i want to give you a voice and bring you to the table but you know, you could have a conversation with my oldest kiddo and he'll tell you it hasn't been easy, but mm -hmm. we've made some progress and and um, and that was my work to do, right? Like not showing up defensively, mm -hmm. not showing up as I know it's right, <laughs> even though I know it's right. You know, it's like there's yeah. a part of us that just does that. And also like, and it's my job to guide you. So yes, yeah. and your brain, you're 14, you know as much as a 14-year-old can, you know, mm -hmm. so... And how you grow up is also, like, how you grow up, what society says, if the fat was just there, oh and no. now it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> um, we have these pieces. So I grew up very um, non-denominational Christian. Mm -hmm. And I don't fault my, I have a very good relationship with my parents and my family. And I don't fault my parents for raising us the way that they did. Overall, I feel like we were actually raised very healthy yes. and, and pretty true to ourselves. However, all of us girls are independent of our faith. And um, I, while I felt accepted a lot in my family background, not so much in the church, because I was got into a toxic marriage and when it was time to no longer be toxic and live in that trauma, Nobody in the church yeah. would help me get out until eventually somebody did. Yeah. But from that moment, I thought there is a lot more to spirituality, to faith, to um, maybe I believe way more about Jesus than I do religion and yeah. Christianity. And so for me as a parent, my my whole uh, personality growing up is a people pleaser. And so then when you go, for me, when I went through my divorce, I was like, I need help. Like, I need to undo how I got here in the first place. Yeah. And there is a level of, um, there is this level of rawness and truth and accountability. Like, I, self-accountability yes. is very important to me. And so now I've got to raise three children. How do I raise them? Do I raise them in how I was raised, which is, for me is 
automatic. <laughs> right. And that's that conditioned part that I was talking about, part. right? Yeah. And so, and then it's like, well, I have a, all of my children said the prayer, invited Jesus into their heart when they were little. And all of a sudden, now my oldest doesn't believe, he believes in a God, a higher power, but uh, doesn't care to uh, believe or grasp any form of religion, just some greater power. So then I'm like, how, how for me, I live based upon my morals, my values, right. things that I'm undoing, things that I'm trying to relearn and accept within myself. How do I parent a child who doesn't believe in any of that, who can give a flying ass about my morals <laughs> and my values? How do I show mm. up for that kid? Like that That's really, really hard to do. And eventually it just came to this place where regardless of religion, regardless of spirituality, regardless of faith, everybody has their own journey. And you have to trust that whatever, whatever who you are, how you choose to lead them, they are eventually going to find their own path. They're going to be like, peace out, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And, yeah, <laughs> exactly. and then you just have to trust yourself knowing that they will do what's best for them right. in a certain time. It's hard, it's easier saying than doing, mm -hmm. but that's exactly how I've chosen to live this side of my life, kind of after divorce, after yeah. having to shift the religious perspective in those ways and raising children at the same time. It's kind of hard. And I think what you're saying is so beautiful, right? It's like your kid already says, I feel connected to something higher. Mm -hmm. So right there, you already know, like, let's celebrate that. Because yep. not every kid his age is having, like, feels that way or has that Correct. connection. And then the other thing is, like, you're living by your morals and values. So it's by example. Mm -hmm. And yep. they're learning, you know, and he's going to have his own moral judgment Correct points along the way right and yeah. and you've given him the gift just by watching you make those choices for yourself mm -hmm. um and yeah then they have to figure you know that it's his path to live right it is i actually think that that's if i take back uh how i grew up that culture of you know telling people what they believe and all the, all those spectrums in today's world, this is kind of how he is living how I would want them to live in my like kind of genuine truth because he does believe in a higher power. He is thinking outside of the box and yeah. he is truly questioning what is life really about. He really knows. I mean, he'll say it all the time. He'll be like, mom, you grew up that way. I don't necessarily know that that's how you think. Like, I Are love you? that he, ha my yeah, kid, my kiddo calls like, me yeah. out on stuff too all the time. And I'm like, I heard that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know how I feel about it or the comeback, but I heard it. I felt it. Yep. And he is kind of that kiddo. Whereas my other two kiddos are people pleasers. I grew up as a people pleaser. I'm trying to undo it. Yes. But it's hard to undo, undo yourself and kind of undo your children at the same time well so. and you also it's like you don't undo them right it's like whatever has been laid down the pathway is there but every time you choose in a moment not to go into people pleasing behavior yeah again by osmosis sure 
because they watch yep. you. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like you want to raise healthy kids, like heal yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that really is the Huge. core of it all. Yeah. Yeah. I love this kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Well, and it's so important. It's like, and we all are dysfunctional. Like we all come from dysfunction and suffering mm-hmm. and yeah. pain. I mean, that's the human condition. We're not uniquely fucked up. There's nothing wrong or shameful about the places where we struggle. It's part of being a human being. Mm -hmm. And it's part of your path. It's part of the path. Without without the darkness, you cannot know the light. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This weekend, Paul was talking about that, too. He's like, as you, you know, people, they have to, it's, it's, they have to see a side that is not what they want in order to find what they want. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. And it's and that that's not exactly how we said it, but that's how I interpret it. And and personally I have this underlying guilt because I'm a Catholic Italian <laughs> raised. Yeah. And guilt is our It's huge. It's yeah. huge. Mm-hmm. It's part of that paradigm, right? It it's is. like and, and what I realized, like my dad recently passed away, as you know, and like I came back from this trip before he passed away and I realized like it was like this moment of clarity of like my entire identity has been built on lies Mm -hmm. and it was sobering Mm -hmm. because I have so many coping mechanisms (coughs) based on untruths and it's the same idea there is a culture in Catholicism I mean it's like and that's what we're here to metabolize and Mm -hmm. it's like oh yeah this isn't serving us innately feeling guilty for being me as wrong (laughs) is not helpful to any soul right and yet yeah Yeah, and so I never got my son baptized he doesn't go Mm -hmm. to church Mm -hmm. we don't talk about God all that much and and it's hard to say he's asked me like so what is God and I I had a hard time answering it yeah Mm-hmm. And that's sad because I went to Catholic school <laughs> grade 13, <laughs> not even grade 12, grade 13, um, because that's where in Canada we go to grade, th- or we used to go to grade yeah. 13. And, um, and how do I, you know, my memories and good memories of going to the church and stuff was going with my grandmother, sitting up in the choir, mm-hmm. um, her singing Italian priest would do his whole ceremony in, in Italian and I just loved it because it was just it's like there's a part of culture there yeah. right it's yeah. like it's taking and there's like something passed through generations it's mm-hmm. like that even tapping into yeah. and then yeah. even though I didn't understand exactly what he was saying yeah. I mean I went I we like part of our curriculum was you know, oh yeah class masses yeah. we all had to participate and pick out verses and all that sort of stuff and sing but it was part of the process that I liked not right. the actual ceremony yeah mm-hmm. yeah you know I like yeah. you know that you know the collaboration you like the journey part the, of it the journey part mm-hmm. of it mm-hmm. and you know I don't know what to do about my son I don't want to push him to be a catholic or anything I don't want to you know I I I want him to be a good person I want him to mm. you know not feel all this guilt that you know I feel that I have all the time. the time yeah and you know and I'm trying to get past that but it's it's a really interesting and I'm not against it and you know when my when I remember my dad called me to tell me my his mother died 
and I was in San Francisco. I went to some, I can't remember where I went. I had to go somewhere. Oh, I know what I did. I, it was during, um, I, I was a volunteer for the Super Bowl cities um, that was in San Francisco. Anyways, and so across the street was this beautiful church. Yeah. So <laughs> after he called me, I went into the thing. I went and I lit a candle for my grandmother. And, you know, it, it does, you know, that whole, and it's part it's of the ritual. Yeah, yeah, it's the ritual. It's the ritual. And the process yeah. and the, uh, you know, the sounds, the music, you know, the candles. It's the smell. I mean, it's like all the stuff, right? All that yeah. stuff. It's not. Yeah, it's, so it's it's definitely, and I know I'm very sensitive to sound, and that's probably why mm. some of this Reiki and what the music, she would do, yeah. the music, and it just, like, gives me goosebumps. It goes, like, Deep I look within. at her, and I look at her, and it's, and then I just close my eyes, and I'm like, I feel it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it goes mm-hmm. right in. And so I, you know, obviously what's what attracts me to a part of it is that journey. Right. Or, mm-hmm. But not necessarily everything it represents sure. i think if i saw the pope in person i would be elated and you know yeah uh, you know i would love to do that but you know but he's also changing what catholicism is too. right and right he's, you know very peaceful and you know i just kind of hope for the best <laughs> yeah. well for i mean in all paths right yeah. i mean it's not just catholicism it's mm-hmm. the the distor- i mean we're seeing it in the middle east right now it's like as long as we're othering anybody Mm-hmm. because of a different skin color or a different religious path it's like we're missing it's like unity yeah, is the point of all of it unity yeah. and humanity yeah like you know we're, uh, we're all the same yeah. we all exactly we <laughs> yeah. right yeah yep. we and we're all children of god but it's right. like right. every right. single Whatever. human yeah. being on the planet you cannot be here without coming through the portal of that spiritual connection right and yet it, the conditioning is so dense Mm-hmm. And so, like, if we just think about, you know, we talked about victimization a little mm-hmm. bit in that email I sent you, but it can be called separation. It can be, it's like whatever it is, this, like, dense part of disconnection from truth. And we're all, there's eight billion of us, mm-hmm. some in this, like, gray area in between having this experience, and some more so than others. And, 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 and funny, it just came to mind when we were going through COVID and we shut everything down, I ended up signing up for the Vatican email. I went and listened to his Italian um, 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 uh, church, like, because he had to end up doing it without any Virtual, yeah. 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 And and um, and I was really connecting because I needed it. Like, mm-hmm. that yeah. was a it's, really It's sad like food time. for your soul. It's yeah. nourishment, spiritual nourishment. Yeah. And even though I didn't understand what he's, yeah. every word And he that's said. the transmission. That's the energy. That's the, you know what I mean? It's yes. like, that's what we You're were right. talking about. Yeah. And, I, and, and that's that like when I'm, when I hear Arabic prayers, I just start, I can sob. Like, mm-hmm. the, it's just like, it's recitation of that ancient language. Yeah. Of the transmission of thousands of prayers that have been made on it over time that accumulated and are like now part of what I have access to, right? It's that same thing called a prayer, which like brings me to my, literally to my knees because that's what it's supposed to do, you know? Yeah, I feel that, I feel very similarly. I don't go to church as often. I listen to podcasts and such, Mm -hmm. but when I go into a Christian church, I may not necessarily like how they run and such and and sometimes I have that divided feeling where I can go into church and feel very negative surroundings while while I'm sitting amongst people 
but there is just something about uh, worship, yes. whatever the words are, whatever you're believing, worshiping together. Um, I can kind, I can, I can give grace to the fact that we're all human, yeah. we're all sinful, uh, we're coming to this place of. Uh, singing together and I very much feel the power yeah. in that scenario but um, yeah I've, uh, sometimes going to church I do I really do feel when people when I sit amongst <coughs> people I feel the negativity I feel the lies or the yeah. untruth yeah. of lots of things but when you were talking about your son there is something that is something that I've done, I don't know if it would be helpful, is that you talk about the God that you believe in, whatever the God, whoever that God is, but you talk about uh, who you believe in, uh, why you believe that way, mm -hmm. your some of your experiences, and maybe take him on some of those journeys, but then also be open to whatever he wants to do on his own. And that way he can start <coughs> kind of visualizing and fulfilling his own view on who God is. Yeah. And talking about the guilt, you know, it's like, you, you said something about um, we're all sinners, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a very, when I first was introduced to Islam, like the concept mm -hmm. doesn't exist. Of being like a sinner? There's no original sin in Islam. Oh. So how do you define? So it's, it's, when we take and this is my yeah. interpretation yeah. Of it. i'm sure. i'm not a scholar of islam <laughs> and i'm not speaking yeah. for anything like in spirituality but it's like the sin is forgetting who we are the sin is forgetting how holy we are and if we let that be the doorway back to our awakening right like mm -hmm. our conditioning is what it's like yes there are parts of my humanity that live in a very unconscious distorted place sure but it doesn't disqualify me from the love you know what yeah. i mean like i'm not fundamentally wrong or bad because That's actually very interesting to be honest because the original sin right is basically yeah. adam and eve like right. i mean yeah uh yeah it, it, anyways i this is like crazy this is crazy crazy i'm i'm like I think I just like had an aha. Yeah. <laughs> her, her crown chakra just yeah, blew, folks. <laughs> well, it did. It, it does bring it back into, you know, sinful is a negative word. We right? think, right? I mean, we, oh, I mean, that's how we've been conditioned. Right. Mm -hmm. That's how, how we've we been interpret it. Yes. Yeah. There's a beautiful teaching that I love about this concept. And it's uh, in one of the books that my guide wrote in the chapter where he's talking about Adam. And so there's a whole story which I won't talk about, but the thing that gets me every time is he's like the shaitan, right? The evil devil, like however we want to translate that word is sitting at the gates of heaven and you can't get through the gate of heaven until you have purified your heart. So it's like he isn't trying to cause trouble. He's showing you where a part of your heart is still living in illusion and is not been purified. So if we look at it as an ally of like, oh, that hatred in my heart, like, oh, yeah, I get caught there. That's a place of a trigger. That's a, it's like the love of God is not living in that part of me yet. Right. Yeah. And it's like using it as a like he's not trying to like 
you know, hold my ankle and keep me out of heaven. He's saying, hey, there's still work here to be done. Or, you know, just that concept of shadow and light totally. and the metabolizing and, and coming into both. wholeness. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. the yin and yang. I mean, you go yeah, to, you know, Buddhism, it's the yin and yang, right? Yeah. It's like they coexist together. So yeah. can I ask you something? She had, Jen had emailed me and she was, she had kind of given a, a light or a little brief of what she was going to talk about, but you shared something in your email and because of your spirituality, we have something in common. I'd like to ask you about it. You had shared about how you had someone in your life who had committed suicide and suicide is a difficult topic to talk about. Yep. Many people don't talk about it. It's something we really need to talk about in today's world. How did you process the death? Because lots of people, I know when my friend died at the beginning, everybody was angry and it was like he was so selfish. When I was able to take a look back at it at a different as time in my life, a different season, I had way more empathy mm -hmm. for how whatever he thought to lead him to make that choice. So you being very spiritual, I was wondering what your take is on that. How do you process a death that can be so so difficult? It's not like somebody gradually shocking. Yeah, 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 yeah so it's shocking. shocking. Uh, well, it, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of parts. I mean, it's like, and it's just death in general. Sure. I think that our society has a terrible relationship with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like we don't really, and, and there are state. I mean, it's like there are stages of grief. Anger is one of them, right? Yeah. Um, and I had a very unique experience, which I think sort of set the tone for how my life ended up unfolding. Yeah. And that is... So my partner and I lived together and I was very free spirited as we've <laughs> already established. <laughs> um, and I was packing up my car and getting ready to go to California because I was like, I, I was like heading for the sunshine. We'd lived in Lake Oswego together and I'm like, I'm, I'm off on my, nex my next adventure. Um, so I packed up my car, put all my things away. And while I was gone is when he died. Mm -hmm. And so then I the shock of like they found his truck and he's been missing for a few days and like I have to come you know so I came back home to this whole experience of having lost him and that was in the spring in April and it was devastating mm -hmm. I mean I think I cried for like five months I mean I just I, I was so and at that point was still living with so much unresolved trauma sure. and the loss and the mm -hmm. abandonment issues and like I mean all the stuff had just been like deeply activated and I was a hot mess um and then on his birthday, so fast forward to October 23rd, and I was sitting in our apartment and I'm like, how am I going to celebrate him? Like, mm -hmm. what is the, what is the experience I have that I can really honor him? And oftentimes those big birth, first birthday, first Christmas, mm -hmm. like those first things after somebody dies or can be really difficult. And I was sitting in our apartment, curled up under his blanket, watching the rainfall and had this voice this feeling come into me of like go for a drive like get up and go for a drive and it's you know october in portland <laughs> sideways <laughs> blowing wind <laughs> pouring rain i'm like yeah no thanks <laughs> like i don't need to get in my car and go anywhere and also where am i going i mean it yeah. just it was absurd and i'm stubborn 
and I just kept <laughs> and, and this is like this is so important to acknowledge because we all get the call mm-hmm. we all have that little nudge saying do that thing and then the part of us that says no mm-hmm. all the reasons all the excuses all the all the re- you know and it was like so here I am and this is in Islam it's like this it's called jihad which we hear mm-hmm. about um but it's really our own internal battle between light and dark, the voice of God and our resistance or our fear or our whatever that where whatever the source of that voice of no is. So I'm like, I'm in it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, get up and go for a drive. No, thanks. No, that's not comfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be cold. I don't want to not know where I'm going. I don't, you know, I'm like resisting it. And I don't know how long I sat there in that ridiculous space, but it was a while. And finally, I'm like, all right, getting my boots, getting my raincoat, got the car keys. And I'm like thinking this is just so stupid. The whole thing was just so stupid. And um, and then I'm in the car driving like, <laughs> where am I going? Yeah. You know. And suddenly I'm like out I-84 in the gorge heading east. And I was like. I don't know if you've ever been in the gorge in wintertime. Oh, my car is like rocking back and forth. Mm -hmm. Like my windshield wipers can't keep the rain off, like sideways blowing. I mean, it was I'm just like death grip on the wheel. Like, what am I doing? This is so stupid. And then I was like, it just this peace, that same peace that came when my teacher, you know, Mm -hmm. I felt that in front of him. And it was like, oh, I'm going to Eagle Creek, which was where. Jay had gone when he graduated from high school and took a 10-day solo hike to Mount Hood as a rite of passage for himself. So he had his parents drop him off at this camp, and then he took 10 days to hike over, and they picked him up on the other side. And I remember at one point, um, I asked him, I'm like, how did you do it? You know, it's like, he was a big outdoorsman and whatever, and I was not. But (laughs) he's like, you know, sometimes I would get to a path and not know which way to go. And I would have to like, oh, there would be a bird on the trail right there. And I would just like, no, that was the one I was taking. Or there would be a stick pointing this way. And I was like, that was my my sign to take that path, right? So so then I'm like, oh, I'm going to Eagle Creek. Like it just hit me of like, oh, I'm going to Eagle Creek. And so this is a long story (laughs) and I'm not going to tell it all. But I parked the car got out into the crazy elements, started the hike up the hill, had lots of resistance, internal resistance, like, okay, I've gone far enough, (laughs) freezing cold, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? And then literally like down trees over the, you know, like, am I going to climb over this giant tree that's fallen over the trail or am I going to turn back and go to the car? And every time I wanted to turn back and go to the car Mm -hmm. and something in me was like, you can't keep going, keep going. And again, I don't know how long it took me, but I finally got to the top. And when I got to the top of the mountain, as as happens, we hear these stories, right? The clouds part, mm-hmm. the ray of sunshine comes pouring oh through. There's a rainbow that's connected from the Oregon side of the gorge to Washington side. I have this like massive view and I just fall to my knees sobbing. And it was like, thanking God for this experience right and that voice came to me and said thank yourself for having the courage to show up because this would have happened whether you were here or not Mm -hmm. and then I'm like sobbing right and then an eagle is like flying overhead and I know it's Jay's spirit like Mm -hmm. just telling me like hey I'm okay 
And I'm like, even on your birthday, dude, you're the one giving me the gifts, you mm-hmm. know? And so I think I feel like then I came down from the mountain, right? And then you have to like metabolize mm-hmm. all of that. Like I felt like, okay, maybe I can try loving again or I can really let go. Mm-hmm. And and I was a hot mess and I did not do relationship well for years. I hurt a lot of people because I was so afraid of getting close to anybody and losing losing in that way right so it's like I still had all my conditioning Mm -hmm. to deal with but I've always had this undercurrent of like something deep is calling me to something far this miracle that is my life that somehow wants me to show up for it is Mm -hmm. still guiding me and and so it you know I'm a slow learner almost 50 now he died when I was 27 Mm. and what is so poignant about cycles in our lives so we just had this massive ice storm in portland right yeah um the pipe in my storage unit burst i had no power had no cell service barely have enough wood left to like keep the small ember in my fireplace right so i'm like oh i'm gonna just be in retreat i think i'll just (laughs) meditate make use of this time both of my kids were gone doing other things um And so I had this like profound weekend in those days, found out two days later that my dad had died. Mm. My storage unit bursts, everything's in plastic bins. One of them just so happened to have a crack in it, which I didn't know that filled with water and it was all of Jay's stuff. It was his sleeping bag, his camping gear, all the things that I had held on to. And I was suddenly just in this space and it feels a little vulnerable right now of like, wow, it's time for me to let go of all of the ways that this has negatively impacted me and caused me to be, you know, afraid, afraid to let people get close or love me or, you know, so it's like there's a, there's something in my dad's death that is tied my experience of mm-hmm. death and what I know about truth and cycles and love and healing and um, so you know for me that uh, it didn't really totally answer your question it's been a long journey actually with lots of ups and downs and grief hits in different ways depending on our ability to be with what is happening and and I've learned a lot about what is true and what is not and how divinely guided our lives are and how deeply loved we are and the things that are important in spite of the lies my brain (laughs) tells me about what's happening because I have evidence. I think that what you had to say was more important because it is when you talk about a shocking traumatic death that somebody takes their own self it is very hard to see past the pain and the miracles that do happen. Right. And um, in my experience, there were multiple miracles. There was a, um, a community that got even tighter that, um, yeah, we got super close, super tight. And um, you don't realize how you affect the world until you can view a person who's left the absence of yeah yeah. and so it really keeps you kind of accountable to the impact you for the impact that you knowingly put into the world and also the impact that where you're like oh you know f that i'm just going to live into the world that also has an an impact. impact yeah well it's all energy 
Yeah. Right. It's all energy. Yeah. So, so your dad passed while your phone wasn't working and people were trying to contact you. Yeah. 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 Wow. And I will say like Jay had mental health issues, right? He probably wasn't diagnosed with bipolar, but he probably would have had a bipolar um, diagnosis with what we know now. Um, what, however, trauma impacts us. Like he had uh, trouble with alcohol. My dad didn't commit suicide, but lived a long life as an alcoholic and drinking ultimately was the reason he died. Right. And so what suffering, what trauma, what unresolved thing is in his life that he feels so guilty about that he's drinking away the pain as a way to avoid it. Right. So it's like the human condition. It's mm -hmm. hard. It's hard. And we all have coping mechanisms or, or not, which is why, how do we have a flexible nerve? This is why I feel the work I do is so important. Like we have to ha know our innate power and the truth of how strong we actually are and that we're guided and loved and not alone and that everything is always working out in our favor and that we can be flexible enough to meet the really hard things that happen as human beings on this planet. The suffering is immense. And can we be light? Can we be love in the midst of the darkness? I think also through that awareness and awakening, then you can also then there be there for your family, be there for your community. Yep. It's really, really hard to be there for your family and your community if you're like you shut off. You can't be there. Yeah. 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 And that's what yeah. we do, right? It's like, you know, what I learned being a massage therapist is like, pain is there and yet like just put your elbow in it like dig in a little harder it's like well how about we just soften our system a little bit mm -hmm. how about we bring the breath in and actually see why it hurts mm -hmm. you know yeah. like yeah. instead of like trying to get rid of it really quick which we're yeah. addicted to in a million ways yes. pick up our phone uh, 500 times a day we mm -hmm. have that third glass of wine we you know eat that second piece of cake or we shop online or whatever it is right we all have these coping mechanisms rather than saying like oh I'm having a really fucking hard time right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and and I need some help. Like to who, you know, can I be vulnerable? Can I need other people? Can I create safety in those connections? And help can come from so many sources. We recently had a conversation, but I was sharing that the help that I got in my counseling for uh, trying to understand my child was very different than the help and counselor that I needed to uh, undo the trauma I had from my marriage. Right. And how both of those types of professionals or even people doesn't, for me, it doesn't have to be a professional. It could be people who just, who've been through more experiences that have just a little wiser twist, obviously, than I do. Yeah. That um, it takes both those to fill like the puzzle together right. and and how beautiful that can be that we can take a little bit of this and it take a little bit of that but we have to be willing to do that and that can be really hard too yeah <laughs> <laughs> my shoulders coming up here <laughs> <laughs> and so so and this is what's so beautiful about my work like do you mind if no. we do go ahead tune into your shoulder because it's a defensive thing. It's like something mm -hmm. is untangling or there's like, like just, and you don't even have to say it out loud, but just say, I body, I'm listening. Mm -hmm. 
and let your breath just move into that area a little bit. And we're all holding on to so much that we don't even realize it's our fascia is just so tight. But it's like, it will tell you exactly what it needs. We actually have a friend, Alex, who's also a massage therapist, and she also specializes in pelvic floor now. And I haven't seen her as a patient, but she has constantly talked about how we hold trauma in our pelvis and our and in not just our core which we all talk about all the time but we're holding it everywhere and how constantly she's able to feel it and when we do the things whatever she suggests then um she when the person does the actual work that they need to do she's like i don't feel it anymore and it releases and she and she talks about like the generational feels that we have and um, I've done work with her. Yeah, especially yeah. as I women. Didn't want to speak on your especially behalf, as women. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And you know, and also going through perimenopause. Totally. And that just that brings a whole other you know, dimension mm. yeah. to yeah. our whatever you know whatever is is been bothering us or mm-hmm. you know we've let settle into something else. Mm-hmm. It comes out. <laughs> it's yeah. it's out. Yes. And it's. Um, yeah, it's it's really it can it can get pretty heavy, but we need. Well, and I think it's like again we're talking about culture, right? We're talking about this world we live in, and if we just, I don't know, turn on the TV, like aging in Western society is bad. Yeah, it's all downhill from here, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we've lost connection to the fact that like we as perimenopausal menopausal women are becoming elders. <laughs> like this is the most holy time of our lives mm-hmm. and we're conditioned to believe that like it's that yeah. it's terrible. Yeah. And it's like it's only terrible if you, you know, it's like I, I talk about the heart being a garden. Right. And it's like if you haven't tended mm-hmm. to the weeds, mm-hmm. which we all have. Right. We yeah. all have that's that conditioned part of us. If we haven't turned the soil we haven't planted new seeds, if we haven't removed the weeds, those negative beliefs and all of those lies, then by the time we're 70, like life is really hard mm-hmm. because we're over- overtaken by the conditioning. And it's like we do get smaller, at, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. But if we're pruning that, it's like how, what would it be like to be blossoming in, uh, in our best years at 75, right? Like mm-hmm. if we had that divine wisdom and we were living in our fullest truth and we had come into alignment with like our purpose and everything we were meant to do and we die peacefully mm-hmm. w- surrounded by people who love us celebrating us, you know what I mean? It's like and, and what, what does it take for us as women to reclaim that that knowing of our ancient wisdom, of our lived wisdom in this life, of how important what our heart knows actually is, and to be effective in our parenting so our children have an easier, it's like Mm -hmm. changing that generational thing, right? Like helping them rediscover something new and and more aligned for themselves. There's actually a a documentary on Netflix, I want to say, but uh, they... That this particular one, they interview several individuals who are much older, but they act young, they talk young, they look young, they look beautiful. And when you ask them 
how, what's their secrets? Uh, loving themselves was huge for both men and women. Mm-hmm. Uh, just simply enjoying life, uh, ha- being around community, getting outside, doing things. It really had nothing to do with business. <laughs> yeah. You know, it had nothing to do with money. It really was all about the basics and really foundationally being accountable to yourself, to making yourself be healthier so it could then be healthier for your loved ones. And it, the uh, documentary, I didn't watch the whole thing, but it's it's beautiful because these people genuinely are in their, between their 70s and their 90s, and they don't look like it at yeah. all. And yeah. it's because you can see the freedom that they have within themselves. Yeah, Paul had me watch this uh, little video on a, a podcast, and it's um, Rick, uh, I can't remember his last name. He is a producer, mm-hmm. does multiple, p- and he's got a big long beard. He does, he produced mm-hmm. uh, cayenne, or cayenne pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Um, whatever his name is Kanye West West, (laughs) Um, anyways Dixie Chicks a whole bunch of like all sorts Mm. of stuff Beltelica and everything anyways he was saying that in general we put so much pressure on finding a job or something that feeds our soul Mm -hmm. and that we just need to kind of think about it as that that gives you the income or the resources to do what feeds your soul. You don't need right. to find the be-all, end-all that I'm going to do this because this feeds my soul. Well, people think like purpose is like work or a job yeah. or something. Yes, it could it's be something totally a- something else, but yeah. working is just a way to... A means. A means to get yeah. to where yeah. you need to go. But it doesn't have to define you, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to, you know... Um, Def- yeah, it doesn't have to define you. Like it just it doesn't. You don't need to find that best job ever, right. or whatever. Um, you know, and I think we all have this kind of thought that you know you have to find that that golden child mm-hmm. or you know the yeah. the grail, the holy grail of work, so that it feeds your soul. Yeah, and it's like yeah, that's what. Well, our if you're feeding your and soul, I mean, this is we go back to the education system that we talked about. We're trained to like fit this thing and it's like no it's like let your like be connected to your soul that so no matter what you do is fulfilling yeah it's like flipping the whole switch on it's not we're not externalizing that or outsourcing it like i am the source of my joy it's like again going back to buddhism right like find joy in washing the dishes like can you be present in this moment of folding laundry you know it's like those moments that you know, we present. When you say this, mm-hmm. I think of my mother. My mom raised all of us girls to find joy in everything we did. Everything. What a gift. What a gift. Everything, mm-hmm. everything. And she, and, and, yeah, ev- everything. I mean, we would gripe and whine and complain. <laughs> my mom would be like, go down and feed those sheep down in the barn. <laughs> find joy in it. Yeah. Love it. Do it, you know, do, do it for, do it for yourself. Do it for Faith obviously was a big, big thing growing up. But find you can find joy in everything. When you don't find joy in the simplest of things, I feel like for me, 
that's a wake up call to figure, see like what's going on in my life because there's something negative that's really developing in my life if I can't find joy in the simple things anymore. Yeah, and it also brings me back to my experience because I just in the last year found out that I'm dyslexic, which I kind of knew, but I didn't know too much about it, mm-hmm. and ADHD. Yep. And um, and it, what exactly was happening to me was I was having this like freezing moments, like I literally would freeze yep. in because I wasn't finding joy in it because I was having so much anxiety mm-hmm. and depression and self doubt, doubt and you know, self sabotaging yep. myself. And and that had everything to do with not me. Like it wasn't yeah, me. Neurotypical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it's just really interesting. It was just a, it's just a different perspective, mm-hmm. and I'm feeling way better. Um, and I feel, you know, trying to understand my superpowers. But yeah. And it's so important, right? Like I'm very neurodivergent, which probably makes the work I do so amazing. But like my bedroom's a mess. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't put laundry. I mean, I can fold it, but like, it's never going to go no in the way. drawer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like I need help in some really basic ways yeah. because yeah. I just suck at it. And instead of beating myself up about it, it's just like, oh yeah, I, I need to get someone else to do that for me or just know that it's going to sit in the basket and mm-hmm. not judge myself or, mm-hmm. but it really is like, again, that unique perspective of what am I great at? And, and what am I not so great at? Because we all have strengths mm-hmm. and weaknesses, you know, but just that self, it's just self-acceptance, mm-hmm. I think, is what that comes down yeah, to. Yeah, it's sad. It, I mean, to the 52. Yeah, me too. Me yeah. too. Totally. I'm like, I'm just now like, ah, oh, I'm good with me. Yeah. It's taken me a long time, but yeah. like, okay. And now it's like, for me, it's like the soil has been tilled. Like, mm. I have an internal sense that, like, oh, there is some fertile soil here. And things were planted a long time ago that will have, they're on their own timeline. But, like, I'm so excited to see how I begin to blossom now that my nervous system has been regulated and I feel connected to something deeper. Wow. That's great. <laughs> it is great, right? Yeah, and I don't, and then there's yeah. like the guilt, right? It's like yeah. I, I feel guilty because it's good. It's like this weird thing of like, can we celebrate, ladies, when we feel good? Yeah without feeling guilty (laughs) (laughs) like I'm learning that right now you know in in real time so and we need to do it not just individually but amongst each other to be witnessed in it it's so important because we we see ourselves often in our friends or the people around us and so when when we can celebrate them when we can celebrate ourselves we're all visually seeing and kind of feeling it and when you feel it when you see it and you sense it then you we want to copy it well it's actually neuro you know we're mirroring Mirroring, the neurons and then it's co-regulation so like when i'm regulated and i'm with people who are dysregulated they're going to attune to me and that's Mm -hmm. the gift of parents doing this work because then you can be the regulated nervous system when your kiddo is dysregulated so that they can tap in and find that calm inside of themselves. Mm-hmm. But what's happening is we're all dysregulated, bumping up against each other, and it's just like madness and <coughs> total chaos, you know? But yeah, it's so important. And that's why community, I mean, going back to something you said earlier, um, there are two pieces to it, but they did the study. Like one of them was like a longevity study and like the single most important outcome for 
longevity and health in later life is community. They all had a social network. They were all playing bridge together, going for hikes together, whatever. And then there was the other one of if you have water and cocaine in wa like little water bottles um, for doing like experiments with mice, and there's one mouse in the you know maze, they will kill themselves on cocaine. They'll just, mm -hmm. the addiction will get them. Mm -hmm. If you put the cocaine in like this entire table, say, is like set up as a maze and there are multiple rats, nobody will die of cocaine overdose. Mm -hmm. They won't drink it. Mm -hmm. And it's this thing about isolation, especially right now coming out of COVID and the amount of suffering so many people feel because, I mean, how beautiful that you guys are like committed to gathering and being in person, but so many people have not come out of that bubble. Mm -hmm. There's more loneliness and isolation in our culture, especially for our young kids with social media. And mm -hmm. it's like I'm sitting next, texting my friend next to me instead of having mm -hmm. a conversation. You know what I mean? It's like the social thing that is required for our nervous system to function in a healthy way. Um, and so it's like, how do we get back to that? How do we create healthy networks of people for ourselves and for our families? Uh, so m my son went to see his pediatrician, and um, and he had a long talk with him about social media mm -hmm. and all this other stuff. And and so Kyle filled out a form. He had a Q&A for preteens, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And then I filled out one, and I didn't see what Kyle wrote. He was yeah. about to go through. I said, what did you write in your thing? And he, and he was starting to go through it, but the doctor came up. And so the doctor read it and basically said, you know, you're suffering from depression. Like, mm -hmm. if you feel depressed, do you know what that is? Do right. You, mm -hmm. you know, and he's like, and this is the reason why social media mm -hmm. is making depression in these kids. Yeah, it's anxiety. It's the dopamine. It's, it's the dopamine. Yeah. Yeah. But they are also not making human connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we're reducing his... Yeah time mm -hmm. you know we've been pretty open with letting him he's an only child i don't know it's kind of yeah. funny we kind of i, I kind of and i'm such so such a softy um and i kind of trust him because he's just so good he's like a good boy i don't know i just <laughs> yeah. but he's uh, yeah anyways so now you know we're making I, I told him he can start making decisions on you know you know he's got to reduce we mm -hmm. we look at his um, schedule, time, yeah. schedule and his mm -hmm. time online. He's yeah. reduced the first week. He reduced it by an hour. Mm -hmm. He said, "But I was only on TikTok less than an hour o a day," and I'm like, "Well, we're gonna that's it improvement. It's yeah, improvement. I mean, we yeah. need to progress." And the other thing we changed was an hour before bedtime. He's coming yeah. downstairs and that's he's sitting so with me on the couch. Mm -hmm. We can watch TV together, but we're watching it together. And mm -hmm. That's so great. I mean, these are the times this when... This just happened. This is amazing. Because and these are the, the... That intimacy, right, is like when that conversation about God then can happen. Yeah. Like, hey, I was thinking about that thing you asked me. Or, you know, and that, again, co-regulation, side-by-side mirror neurons mm -hmm. in the brain happening. And watching TV is fine because you're next to each other. Yeah. It makes yeah. such a difference. And, well, even the power outage. Yeah, we were playing card games, playing poker, playing Uno, playing, mm. you know, and it was nice. Yep. I mean, it was killing us both, but it was <laughs> <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. I get to spend a time with you. You get to spend it with your mom. And yeah. Like, yeah, I can't 
text my friends. Like yeah. <laughs> so sure, this is great. Yeah. Um, and we did it for hours, and we were around candles, and we slept on the couch together. Yeah. So as much as I hated everything that happened during that time, I, it because it it really got to me. But anyways, it was. I have to remember there that the I good parts. The yes. good parts. Yes. Him and I joy. slept on the couch, and we for two or three nights in a row, and um, we connected. Yes. So I don't know, but yeah, I can um, definitely s- gonna start seeing a difference. I I have to work on him, and I have to pay much more attention to that kind of stuff. I just hate being like a ruler and a dictator. I like, you know, it makes you feel guilty. Yeah, I know. I we're, know. We've we're, had we're, this we're back to that again. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's so. And, I mean, and this is where it's like it's like you have to expand. And I don't don't call it guilt. Call it yeah. sensation. Sensation. Mm-hmm. Because from a, tr- a trauma informed place, you don't name it. You, it's just sensation. Hot, cold, intense. Where is it at? Like, name what it feels like in your body. And because we all have our limit, mm-hmm. it's like it becomes too intense for our nervous system to manage it. And that's when we self-abandon and go into like old habits. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like expanding your capacity of sensation around guilt. Mm-hmm. Where does it live in your body? Whose voice do you immediately start hearing when it gets activated, right? It's like, oh, now you, because all these things are operating in our unconscious. And when we can bring consciousness to it, we (coughs) then have the power to change it. Mm -hmm. Choice can't come if we don't know what's happening. And most of this stuff, 95%, we've all seen that, like, you know, pyramid, yeah, and it's all about success, but it's also like not just success. It's like unconsciously is what's operating our entire system. So every time you start feeling guilty, it's like get curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the past, or even though you can find what phrase works for you, this feels really uncomfortable. Rather than turning away from it and avoiding it, I'm going to breathe more deeply into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. then it's like, ah, it's all, I mean, and at some point it'll become intolerable and, and your voice starts getting activated, right? Yeah. My, I, it, it actually, you <coughs> feel it. I feel yeah. it. Just talking throat. about yeah. it. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Well, I think that is going to bring us to a close at this time. And oh my gosh, what a podcast this was today. Very powerful. Very just all the feels. It's, it's crazy. Like I, I didn't say anything most of the podcast, but man, in my chest, I still feel like I could cry right now. I was, that's why I didn't say anything the whole time because I felt like choked up. (sighs) So anyway, super powerful stuff. And um, Jen, just amazing. Thank you so much for coming. And you guys, if anyone wants to learn more or, you know, get some um, healing or coaching, Jen does have her own business, and so how can people find you? They can just go to my website, which is Jen, with two N's, savage.com, and they can also find me on social media, and those links will be provided with the podcast. Fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming. Thanks for your time. All right, everybody. Bye. All right. Well, that's a wrap. 
thank you everybody for joining us. We really appreciate you listening to us and we look forward to hanging out with you next Wednesday. Please join us. And in the meantime, please follow us on Instagram at the Real Exes Portland. Also, we would love to hear from you and hear some of your juicy stories. You can email us your stories at rxop.yourstory at gmail.com. Until next week, bye. bye.